Hello, everyone, and welcome to the trustee table. I'm Anne-Marie Balzano, Director of Leadership and Governance at NAIS, and today I'll be speaking with Dr. Doreen Olson. Doreen served as head of school of St. Mark's School, an Episcopal Parish Day School in Altadena, California, for 25 years and retired in June 2015. Prior to her appointment in 1990, she was Assistant Vice President at Pepperdine University in Malibu, California, and also taught in the public schools in Hawaii and California. She served as the president of the governing board of the National Association of Episcopal Schools, was a trustee of the National Association of Independent Schools, was president of the California Association of Independent Schools Board of Directors, served on the National Commission on Accreditation, and was a field instructor at the Klingenstein Center Teachers College. Dr. Olson currently coaches aspiring school leaders and belongs to organizations and boards which support education and community service learning. She also co-authored the chapter, Types of Bias in the Search Process, in the NAIS Head Search Handbook. She is currently a search consultant with Resource Group 175. Doreen, thank you for taking a seat at the table today. Thank you, Anne-Marie, for this invitation and for the work you all do. A special shout out to NAIS for making these trustee table discussions possible. I am delighted to be a part of your podcast today. We are so thrilled to have you. And, you know, given that you were one of the co-authors of what I think is one of the most important chapters in the Head Search Handbook, you know, many schools work with search firms and may think that coming up with a diverse pool is actually the firm's job, but surely it can't be left to the firm alone. So what must the search committee do to ensure a diverse pool of candidates? I admit, as a current search consultant, There is a very high expectation by schools that search firms and all search consultants provide a diverse pool of candidates. In fact, our own search firm believes that a diverse pool of candidates is essential to a successful head of school search today. Search committees want their school leaders to reflect the diversity of their schools, but the work to um, attract, to recruit, and ensure a diverse pool must be the shared and collaborative work of the search committee and the search consultant with strong support from the board of trustees. A look of our school communities and environment today will give us context to why diversity, equity, and inclusion is pivotal. The growing diversity of our student and family populations, the changing needs and hopes of our school constituents, including our administrative teams, the faculty, the staff, parent body, the list goes on and on. But certainly our shifting workforce, the competition, and the growing presence of a skilled, qualified, motivated, and experienced diverse workforce point to golden opportunities for our independent schools. You know, to ensure a diverse pool of candidates, the search committee must, must be diverse itself. It should represent multiple perspectives, including an ethnically and socioeconomically diverse membership that transcends mere representation from the various school constituencies. This also means that the composition of the search committee includes racial, ethnic, gender, socioeconomic, and cultural diversity. I also believe the search committee must ensure that the school's mission and purpose are accurately reflected in the search process, that the candidates, the search committee members, and the search consultant 
thoroughly understand and adhere to the school's stated purpose and objectives, and that collectively, from the start of a search process, we must come to a shared understanding of what we are trying to do in the context of the school and the world we live in today. The search committee must take the charge from the Board of Trustees seriously. Search committee members lean heavily, and they need to lean heavily on the search consultant and their search firms for high-level trainings and meetings that adhere to bias-free screening, bias-free interviews, and bias-free evaluative processes and practices. The search committee, along with the search consultant, must also be able to honestly answer questions that look at the school's past, its accomplishments, and its deficits, using perhaps the mission statement as a backdrop, must be able to clearly recognize its present state and condition, both internally and externally, and clearly formulate and paint a picture of the school's future and its organizational aspirations. I strongly believe that hand-in-hand, the search committee and the search consultant should formulate a position description or position statement, which is a short shelf life document used in recruitment purposes that is compelling yet honest and clearly summarizes the school's culture, its goals, and the issue it faces. This position statement should also be transparent with regard to the characteristics and attributes of the ideal candidate. And above all, the search committee members together with the search consultant should develop and use deep and probing interview questions for candidates that help us steer clear from our innate prejudices. These are requisites, I believe, that are essential to ensure a diverse candidate pool, Anne-Marie. One of your points that I thought was really compelling was this idea that the search committee itself also needs to be diverse. But, you know, when we look at diversity among boards, um, you know, we had the 2018 governance survey report come out last year. There isn't a lot of diversity on our boards. And I know that that's an issue that boards are really struggling with. You know, how do we how do we recruit and onboard more diverse members? And so. You know, I I think it might be helpful for our listeners if we could talk a little bit about the different facets of diversity that are important to a head search, but I think might also be important um, as we're we're thinking about increasing diversity on our boards. So if you could talk about, you know, how do you define diversity? Well, I look at a whole myriad of attributes, characteristics, and certainly backgrounds. So candidates' backgrounds, um, search committee backgrounds, I look at, we look at gender, we look at race, we look at career paths. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, um, you know, um, as we look at ethnicities, these are all a big package, but critical in the search process. And there should always be a strong expectation if the board hires a search consultant that we provide qualified yet diverse pools of candidates. You know, today's school leadership and independent school requires us to reach broadly and deeply in identifying, cultivating, recruiting, and vetting the best head of school candidates to lead our schools. But our job as consultants is to make sure the search committee's decisions are difficult, giving them lots of options 
but yet meaningful. Mm-hmm. And our goal collectively should always be that there is a good number of qualified and diverse prospects. I know as search consultants, we work hard to provide candidates with a wealth of experiences and skills and qualifications, and we expect our prospects to be articulate, to be highly skilled with leading administrative teams, to love children and to love schools, to be clear about job-specific qualifications, and certainly to be skill and knowledge-based. So I like that you you point out that when we talk about diversity, it's not just about gender, race, and ethnicity, because I think that that's where a lot of people's heads go when they think about diversity. But it's also, like you mentioned, you know, everything from your career path to your background to this idea of diversity of thought is really important when you're considering candidates. Absolutely. You wrote, you know, that wonderful chapter, Types of Bias in in the Search Process. And you know, board members are well-meaning, they're broad-minded folks who might look at the title of that chapter and think, hey, I'm not biased. So how does bias manifest itself in individuals or even in school communities during a search process? Great question, Anne-Marie. Let me first acknowledge the work of Tom Overson, my head search colleague and the co-author of this chapter in the NAIS Head Search Handbook. Tom is a premier thought leader in independent school leadership a prolific writer, and a tremendously effective head of school coach and mentor. What we wrote about in this chapter was the acknowledgement and stated understanding that humans are naturally inclined toward many behavioral biases, and that saying so is not a character indictment, but rather it's a strong step toward mitigating them. We recognize that bias is not a euphemism for racism or sexism, We cited several types of biases that can affect our decision-making and took our lead from Nobel Prize winner Daniel Kahneman and his book, Thinking Fast and Slow. Kahneman details the prejudices in human decision-making and the illusion of objectivity that pervades our thinking that may infect a group's collective judgment. This flawed decision-making may be evident in the work of independent school search committees, tasked with finding a new head at a, at a new time in the life of the school. Tom and I encourage search committees to read Kahneman's book as they begin ahead of school searches because these biases are so palpable and so very common. For example, you know, we talk about the deficit hiring bias, which is really irrational thinking involving identifying the attributes of the current head and then assigning them unwarranted weight in the selection of the next head of school. Mm -hmm. As an example, you know, there may be a current head with a weak relationship with students. Therefore, you know, search committee members believe that should be the primary attribute of the next head of school. Mm -hmm. It may be important, but often search committees elevate this importance to be among the most critical or number one attribute that the next head should possess. Another example we call the halo bias, thinking that a candidate from another prestigious independent school may be a powerful proxy for all of the candidate's attributes. This bias shows fault that the prestigious or neighboring school or competitive school candidate does not translate to the candidate's qualifications. And third, we talk about the beauty contest bias, 
<laughs> the assumption that a certain candidate may get or truly understand the school based on an initial interview that merely validates the search committee's love of the school. Some search committee members may think that the candidate truly gets the school, but Kahneman told us that this confirmation bias may fail to give rise to the validation of the candidate's attributes as a true leader and may give false comfort to a search committee. We as search consultants should continually ask search committee members, what evidence in the candidate's writing, the candidate's interviews, the candidate's recommendations demonstrate that he or she has the requisite skills, experiences, personalities, qualifications, and knowledge to be the leader the school needs going forward? That's an important question that continually needs to be asked in the search process. Yeah, and and you know the, those three different types of bias that that you just mapped out for us, I think really sort of summarizes the types of of issues that I think search committee members you know have to face you know as they're as they're vetting candidates or, or looking at what they think is going to be the best match for their school. And I know that sometimes it's hard, right? Because everyone's looking for that that silver bullet person, or, or as I like to call them, the Mary Poppins, you know, who has that whole list of attributes that's going to be just perfect, practically perfect in every way, and, and just be, you know, just the right fit. But by really sort of understanding these different kinds of bias, I think really does help search committees make a much more informed decision um, as they're hopefully faced with a an amazing pool of candidates in which to choose from. But can, can you give us some examples of how even the most well-meaning among us may be susceptible to bias and some advice about how we might recognize and overcome it? Anne-Marie, I believe no matter how well-meaning we are, we are susceptible to bias or unintentional prejudices. Um, You know, we all recognize that white males have traditionally held most of the leadership roles in independent schools. And we can overcome our unintentional bias and our traditional trajectories and processes by, number one, being open-minded about non-traditional paths to school leadership. Number two, being open and transparent with candidates about the school's cultural expectations. And three, continually questioning and sharing the assumptions we and our colleagues on the search committee hold about a candidate's readiness or ability to do the job. In addition, I strongly believe we should allow the search committee to obtain training about implicit bias and cultural competencies and ensure that the whole team work honestly and collaboratively. We should recognize that unconscious bias is in, an, is in all of us. We do have blinders, yet we must continually work with open-mindedness throughout the search process. We should establish goals for racial, ethnic, gender, and cultural diversity in our candidate pools. In fact, I recently completed a search where the search committee required and established candidate pool goals and quotas, which also, I believe, measured my performance as a recruiter of diverse candidates. Interestingly, in that search, the three finalists were all school leaders of color and their head elect, who will begin this coming 
July is a woman and well-regarded independent school leader of color. Um, In addition, we need to be flexible. We need to be nimble and we need to be able to share our personal truths. Working in partnership with the search consultant, search committees need to design a uniform process for the entire search. The process should be, I believe, transparent and replicable, and the search committee should use bias-free screening, bias-free interviews, and bias-free evaluative practices. The search process should also be subject to accountability reviews. Um, We must document the search process and evaluate the work when the search is completed. We should create and follow procedural guidelines and checklists to ensure that the entire search process is fair, clear, and consistent for all applicants. We must stick to research-based hiring practice. And above all else, we as trustees, search committee members, and search consultants must insist on a strong transition and onboarding process for the head elect once we've selected the new head of schools. You know, search committees, trustees, and members of the school community spend a great deal of time and effort in the search process. And we want our new heads of school to succeed and stay at the positions for long and productive years. Let's ensure head of school success and longevity with thoughtful and strategic transition planning and execution. I couldn't agree with you more. And and Doreen, you know, when we looked at the recent governance survey and we looked at the the factors that contribute to head of school turnover, that that transition process was really a key factor in, in both of those studies. So I'm glad that you brought that up. And, you know, you mentioned earlier when you were giving some examples about how we might be susceptible to bias about um, non-traditional paths to leadership. Could you just define that a little bit more for our listeners? Yes. More and more um, search consultants are looking wider than the you know, traditional, I think, promotion of independent school leaders. Many of us came from classrooms, we became administrators, and then we were appointed head. We are looking wider, and, and I believe we have a stronger pattern as we identify new candidates, higher education, other nonprofits, um, certainly leaders in schools who come from the advancement, enrollment, Um, and operation side. So I think we're taking uh, a much broader look, a keener look, and a deeper look at candidates who not necessarily just uh, move the normal way of classroom work, administrative work, and certainly head of school. And I think our contemporary times kind of demand it. More and more I'm seeing uh, search committees ask for people who have been in um, crisis management, people who are skilled in risk practices, people who are really qualified to lead a nonprofit, but not necessarily a school, and who have shown their experience and worthiness in leading um, a, a nonprofit. And, and that's been um, pretty recent, and I think in the last three to five years that um, search committees are, are asking more of non-traditional candidates. Great. That thank you for that explanation and that that was really helpful. So one last question for for you. Do you have any advice for boards who might plan to begin a search process in the coming year? 
You know, as I close, I, I just want to give acknowledgement and appreciation for independent school trustees and their search committees for their unequal dedication, certainly their valuable um, volunteer commitments to the schools. And I just want to say that the appointment of a diverse search committee, you know, who possesses a clear agenda, who embraces honest expectations, who retains clear and verifiable assessments of school needs, and who embraces a genuine commitment to eliminate institutional barriers that contribute to racial and gender leadership gaps, make for the promise of exceptional independent leadership and independent schools that are much stronger and certainly a firm foundation for our future. I just want to give you all um, virtual hugs and best thanks for all you do. Aloha, thank you, and goodbye. Doreen, thank you so much for your time today. I know that the insights that you've shared with us are going to be incredibly helpful to our, our members and especially for our trustees. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Trustee Table. We've included some great resources on some of the areas we discussed at NAIS.org, and you can also keep an eye on that page for new podcast episodes. Please be sure to listen, rate, review, and subscribe to a new episode each month. Thank you for listening.